Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? This is how Satan began his enticement of Eve in the Garden of Eden. He concealed a lie in the form of a question, knowing that God did not prohibit every tree in the garden. Eve clarified this in her response, saying that God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. In his cunning, Satan cast doubt on God's words, saying, You will not surely die, for God knows when you eat of it, you will be like God knowing good and evil. Eve took the bait, hearing that she could be like God. Eve saw that the fruit was good for food, a delight to the eyes, and desirable to make one wise. These temptations are the same worldly pleasures that the Apostle John warns us about, saying, For all that is in it, the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, are not from the Father, but are from the world. Eve took the forbidden fruit and ate. She then gave some to her husband Adam, and he ate. Their eyes were opened, now painfully aware of their sin, and their biological clock began to tick, only to end in death. Sin had now entered the world of men. In theology, this event is known as original sin. This is not the first sin, but rather the first sin committed by mankind. Sin finds its origin in the serpent of the garden, later in the Bible referred to as the great dragon, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan. The Bible describes this event in the book of Ezekiel. Of Satan it says, You were the sign of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. Ezekiel labels Satan's sin as pride. Isaiah describes the source of this pride, saying, How you are fallen, O day star, son of dawn! You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven, above the stars of God. I will be like the Most High. As an immediate consequence of this sin, God calls fire to come out of Satan and consume him, and he cast him out of heaven. Jesus describes this event when he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning out of heaven. This is the origin of sin. Satan brought his corruption to earth in the Garden of Eden and enticed Eve to sin against God. Eve then invited Adam, her husband, to join her rebellion. This is referred to as the fall of man, a moment in time, a specific decision where man fell short of the glory of God. The Apostle Paul writes that sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin. To be clear, God did not create sin. Sin is the product of free will. God gave us the ability to make our own choices, to set our own course, to choose our own destiny. You see, free will is just an illusion if we only have one choice. Make no mistake, Adam and Eve's sin was a volitional decision. The serpent did not force them to eat the fruit. Though the weapons of coercion and temptation were deployed, Adam and Eve made the choice in clear conscience to defy God. Adam's sin poisoned all his progeny. All people, with the exception of Jesus, were conceived in sin, as King David confessed. This original sin corrupted the nature of mankind, so that although man has the capacity to do good, 
His natural inclination is toward evil. This desire to defy God and embrace evil was on full display in the early stages of humanity. In fact, in the very next generation, we see brother rising up against brother, murdering him without remorse. The depravity of man continued to thrive leading up to the days before the flood. Of that time, the Bible says that the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Sin had placed a vice grip on humanity's throat and was determined to squeeze until death was satisfied. Sin is an enemy we all face, a reality that cannot be denied, a problem with only one solution. Sin is an anomaly, an aberration, a distortion of the good, and a departure from the norm. Sin is missing the mark. It is both a crossing of the line and a failure to reach the line. Sin is disobedience, a deviation from God's standard. Sin is seeing the majesty of creation, yet denying the existence of the Creator. Sin is a parasite and a leech, slowly sucking the life from its host. It is a slave master. As Jesus said, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The Apostle Paul expanded on this thought in the book of Romans, writing, You are a slave to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. Sin is never satisfied, always wanting more. As God warned Cain in Genesis 4, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, to control you. Sin not only desires you, but it desires all who surround you. Proverbs 4 says, The wicked cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they cause someone to stumble. Sin is a poison and a cancer, slowly isolating you from all that is good and right, ever distorting the truth and distracting from its end goal of death and destruction. Finally, and ultimately, sin is a separator. It separates you from the author of life. Adam's original sin, which infected all humanity, caused a separation between man and God. It created a chasm that cannot be bridged by human means. This separation plays out vividly in the opening pages of John Bunyan's masterpiece, The Pilgrim's Progress. Christian, the protagonist, found himself under the weight of a massive burden carried on his back. He became paralyzed by fear after reading a book. The burden was sin. The book was the Bible. After reading the book, he was afraid that if he would die with the burden still on his back, that he would sink lower than the grave, unless he could find some way or someone to take the burden away. Christian's concern was valid, because the Bible tells us that there are none righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks after God. All have turned aside. No one does good, not even one. The good news for Christian, and for us today, is that there is one who can remove the burden of sin. The Bible says that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. So that where sin reigned in death, grace might also reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Our righteousness alone, our good deeds, cannot save us from the wrath to come. In Hebrews chapter 9, we read that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. The offense of sin, the violation of God's law, 
of God's standard was so severe that it demanded a sacrifice. God offered himself as the perfect sacrifice once and for all in the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It also says that the wages of sin is death. Make no mistake, denying your sin will not absolve you of its consequence. Dying in your sin will sink you lower than the grave to a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, as Jesus describes. The good news is that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, so he has provided a path to life through Jesus his Son. You need only to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus loves you and has a remarkable plan for your life.